When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. I want to give God thanks, first of all, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on our behalf. He died for our sins, not his own sins, because he, in essence, in his divine essence, was and is impeccable. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. There is no taint. There is nothing that can be said negatively against the divine, uh, the divine essence, unless, of course, one is uh, of the cosmos. And you and I know the blasphemous things that are said daily um, in the cosmic system about the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he is honored uh, before our eyes because of who he is. Uh, And so we want to give God thanks for his so great salvation that we have through Jesus. With that, uh, let us have a word of prayer, and then we will begin our study. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity to meet with your saints throughout the world. We pray for them while we don't know any of their circumstances, but we know that you know. And so we pray that this message, Lord, will bless their hearts, and enable them to keep on keeping on. We know that there are many pressures, both within and without, and so we ask, Lord, your solace and your comfort. We thank you for your peace that passes understanding. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, amen. Now, tonight, I want to, I'm going to be reading from Ezekiel 37. Now, we are going to go back uh, throughout the book of Ezekiel uh, so that you can have uh, that is developing awareness of Ezekiel's message. But I'm going to begin reading it, uh, Ezekiel chapter 31, verse 1. The, quote, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy 
to the bones, to these bones. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breasts enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Unquote. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons of flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, quote, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live, unquote. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, quote, son of man, quote, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, quote, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord, unquote. Now, I'm going to stop there at verse 14 uh, because there, there's some additional information that I, want, that I want you to have on this particular section. Uh, this is a very fascinating uh, section. And if you note that, uh, note carefully, this, uh, this is chapter 37 of, of the book uh, of Ezekiel, and, has, and this book has has a, a 48 chapters. It has 48 chapters. And so uh, there is a lot of information uh, that is covered in this particular book. Now, remember, Ezekiel was a, uh, was a prophet of the 8th century. His name means Yahweh is strong. Yahweh is strong. So the uh, the name his name is indicative of his character. That is, his name elucidates his character, and so we see why God shows him Ezekiel, 
And the date of this particular book, uh, this is dated during the exile. Uh, the date of the exile itself is 593 to 571. And so uh, Ezekiel was a preacher to the exiles. Now I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Quote, the spirit then lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in the anger of my spirit with the strong hand of the Lord upon me. I came to the exiles who lived at Tel Aviv near the Kibar River, and there where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, overwhelmed, unquote. So, uh, he is a preacher to the exiles. His ministry, in many respects, is a forlorn ministry. And the, the, the word of the Lord happened to him, and he says this, and we read this in Ezekiel 24, 15. Uh, so uh, he spent 22 years preaching to the exiles. And so this is what God says uh, to his people because of their devotion to sin. They will not repent. And so God is bringing in judgment to them. They are, they have, they are adamant uh, with their attitude. That is, they will not repent. It is not they cannot repent. They will not. And so remember in the book of Judges, we have the, we read about the cycle uh, of, of Jewish history with regard to the people of God. And here we see their brazenness, their brazen rejection of, of the Lord's will for their lives. And so, uh, they are they are going into judgment. So this is what God says uh, that He's going to bring upon His people. This is Ezekiel twenty one, uh, and this is verse uh, Ezekiel twenty one twenty eight and following. Quote: And you, son of man, prophesy and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says about the Ammonites and their insults: a sword, a sword drawn for the slaughter, polished to consume, and to flash like lightning. Despite false visions concerning you and lying divinations about you, it will be laid on the necks of the wicked who are to be slain, whose day has come, whose time of punishment has reached its climax. Note the, the, uh, the determinative language the language of determination, the language of judgment, the, ju- the language of inescapable consequences. Verse 30, return the sword to its scabbard in the place where you were created, in the land of your ancestry. I will pour out my wrath upon you and breathe out my fiery anger against you. Now, 
this this is a chilling language. I will hand you over to brutal men, skilled in destruction. You will be fuel for the fire. Your blood will be shed in your land. You will be remembered no more. For I, the Lord, have spoken. So this is a very, very uh, powerful prophecy. And look what God says. And again, this is to the Ammonites, the people of Ammon. And so uh, God speaks very plainly and directly about their judgment uh, because of their deeds, because of their unrepentance. And so judgment is coming down upon them. Notice, now, uh, also I'm going to read uh, at verse 18, quote, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, mark out two roads for the sword of the king of Babylon uh, to take, both starting from the same country. Make signposts, make a signpost where the road branches off to the city. Mark out uh, one road for the sword to come against Rabbah, of the Ammonites, and another against Judah, and fortify Jerusalem. For the king of Babylon will stop at the fork in the road, at the junction of the two roads, to seek an omen. He will cast lots with arrows. He will consult his idols. He will examine the liver. Into his right hand will come the lot for Jerusalem, where he is to set up battering rams. And, and siege ramps to uh, to sound the battle cry, to set battering rams against the gates, to build up ramp, uh, a ramp, and to erect siege works. Uh, in some history books, you can see uh, artists' renditions of these siege ramps and how big they were, and uh, they were designed by engineers specifically uh, to break down walls and to break down heavy uh, gated uh, uh, cities, heavily fortified cities. And so uh, these uh, these these ramps were uh, the the artist drawings are very impressive. And so when they lock you inside and you have no access to running water from the outside. You have no access for extra food to come inside. Uh, so you have no access to go get fuel uh, for your fire inside. And so uh, they've just cut you off from uh, all uh, fundamental necessities. You can't leave. They won't let you leave. And so uh, this is what uh, God says is going to happen to his people. And to his right hand he uh, will come the lot for Jerusalem where he is to set up battering ramps to give the command to slaughter, to give the, the command to slaughter. You know what I rarely hear these days? I rarely hear messengers speak about sin. 
I rarely hear messengers speak about repentance. I rarely hear messengers speak about hell or the lake of fire or the consequences of sin. I rarely hear such messages. I hear messages designed uh, to tickle the ear, uh, messages that are not offensive, uh, messages that do not challenge, but that uh, say sweet things to people who need to be uh, to be brought into an understanding of the fact and the reality that the wages of sin are death. So uh, to give the command to slaughter, to sound the battle cry, to set battering rams against the gates, to build a ramp, and to erect siege, uh, siege works, it will seem like a false omen to those who have sworn allegiance to him. But he will remind them of their guilt and take them captive. Now, is it interesting that people are so convinced of their the righteousness of their sinful ways that uh, they uh, when when judgment comes uh, they do not believe that judgment has come and so uh, they they are taken aback uh, at the fact that this is the end and throughout, throughout the Old Testament. Uh, when I read uh, just the major prophets and the minor prophets, when I read about the the, uh, the destruction of Babylon, when I read about the destruction of Assyria, and the reaction of uh, when I read about the destruction of Jerusalem uh, under Nebuchadnezzar and uh, uh, the reaction of the people, because one of the consequences of sin is this what? this trivialization of accountability. The same in this farcical culture in which we live. We have the the trivialization of things that matter. And I rarely hear anything, any new information coming from the mental health experts because the mental health experts have been co-opted to uh, speak only the political message of those in power. So I was a part of the mental health board in my own hometown, and when I learned the depth of uh, of this and the fact that the mental health board was has been was co-opted and controlled by political power, I had to leave. Because this was not about mere mental health. This was about the politics uh, of mental health. So, uh, which was not a, a, a surprising revelation. But I know in Canada, uh, the mental health experts are, are being called up to bear witness to people who don't do certain things that the government wants them to do, and they can put people under a hold, uh, under an indefinite hold. So 
the noose is tightening around the the willfully naive. And I say the willfully the willfully naive because oh here uh, in this country they are called uh, there are various names for them, uh, but uh, this willful naivete that people use uh, to to cover their sin, God already knew about it, and God already knows. Uh, the word normies does not suffice to penetrate the depth of what these people have done, and there are those who say, well, certain events are taking place in order to wake the normies up. Uh, during the public ministry of Jesus, uh, there's a prophecy that Jesus himself spoke about in that these people uh, had been made blind by God himself because of their willful sin. See? And a willful sin brings out what? Willful uh, blindness, that is, culpable blindness. It is a judgment of God. And so it is man who invents uh, complexity. Whenever we step out of the revealed will of God, the simplicity of our walk, the simplicity of our lives, uh, the, the path that God has chosen for us is what? Uh, it, it is the path of, of peace and prosperity. The, uh, when we step out of that and we walk according to the the world, then our lives become complex, and by that I mean we're weighed down with the complexities of this cosmos, and they are they are highly destructive uh, to the individual. Well, the same thing exists existed in the eighth century during the time of Ezekiel. God is bringing down power, uh, judgment, not only on Israel but also there are other nations in Western Asia that God is going to judge too. It will seem like a false omen to those who have sworn allegiance to him, but he will remind them of their guilt and take them captive. Verse 24, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, quote, because you people have brought to mind your guilt by your open rebellion, revealing your sins and all that you do because you have done this, you will be taken captive. So uh, Ezekiel is, again, he is a preacher to the exile. And notice in chapter Ezekiel 3, 15, once again, quote, and I came to uh, the exiles who lived in Tel Aviv near the Kibar River. And there, where they were living, I sat among them. Now, this is reminiscent of John chapter 1, where we read that the Son of God pitched a tent and that he dwelt among his people. Ministry takes place not from an office. Ministry takes place not from a pulpit. Ministry takes place from among the people. I sat among them. And this, uh, his ministry, again, once again, is going to go on for uh, 
for 22 years. So he was taken, Ezekiel was taken to Babylon in 597 BC, and this was during the second deportation. Uh, we know for certain that there, there, there were two deport, uh, deportations. Uh, Daniel had been taken away in Daniel chapter 1 during the first deportation. Ezekiel uh, was taken away nine years later, nine years later. And so while Daniel ministered within the, the palace uh, to Nebuchadnezzar, the king himself, Ezekiel ministered to those whom he had taken captive, who were tasked with building the canals, the river canals, the elaborate uh, river canals of, of Babylon. That was his ministry. So, and uh, Jeremiah's ministry was was among the people of God uh, in this capacity as well. So, in, three, in Ezekiel 3.24, we have the anger of Yahweh. In Ezekiel 4, one, verses 1, 2, and 3, we have uh, is, uh, God, Yahweh tells the prophet to play war. In Ezekiel 4, verses 4 through 8, the prophet is told by God to lie on your side. In chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, uh, God tells, that is Yahweh tells Ezekiel to prepare his food with human excrement. This is a picture of what will happen during the siege. What will happen when there what? There will be scarcity of water and scarcity of food. There will be also scarcity of fuel. Now, animal uh, waste could be dried and used uh, to cook one's food, but not human excrement. Here, he is told to use human excrement. Why do we have these severe word pictures? <clears throat> People today have been so brainwashed. Uh, that they they don't prepare water, and I I caution people: buy water, buy food, buy fuel, buy warm clothing, uh, buy the uh, the extra tools that you need in case of an emergency. And people look a, uh, about uh, those around them, and they don't see that they're seriously preparing. So they say, well, if if the others aren't doing it, then uh, everything's okay. Oh, that is a that is a dangerous type of fallacy. A very dangerous fallacy. Chapter five, verses one through five. The uh, the prophet is told, shave your hair. Chapter six, verses three to seven. Uh, there will be no more signs. Uh, judgment comes. In chapter seven, verse five, doom. God is done with them, and uh, he is he is coming in judgment, and it is uh, unavoidable. It is inescapable. Listen, uh, and so this is chapter seven, verses verses one and two. Quote: The word of the Lord came to me. Quote: Son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says to the land of Israel. The end. 
the end has come upon the four corners of the land. And is now upon you, and I will unleash my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. I will not look on you with pity or spare you. I will surely repay you for your conduct and the detestable practices among you. Then you will know that I am the Lord, unquote. So God sees, God observes, God uh, God knows. God knows our things in detail. In fact, before God created the universe itself, God knew in his archetypal plan who would come to Christ and who would not. God knew in his archetypal plan that is, we call, and, and, his, and the decrees of God, who would be saved, who would, would sin and pretend to repent and would not really repent. Jesus said that the, devil, that, that, uh, the lake of fire, Gehenna, was prepared for the devil and his angels. And in the Greek, the language is in the perfect tense. Now, not at a point in time, it's not the aorist tense, but perfect tense. It is frightening language. It's frightening the way Jesus spoke. And so I really look at people who pretend that they understand the New Testament and the Word of God, and they've never studied the Word, and they say, well, Jesus said this, and so they, uh, they uh, cavalierly lift out a verse or a portion of a verse and say, well, Jesus said this, without knowing the full message, without knowing what Jesus was fully saying and completely saying, because they have ripped a particular passage out of context. And so, uh, so God says, judgment is coming. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. I will not look on you with pity. Verse, uh, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, disaster, an unheard of disaster is coming. The end has come. The end has come. It has roused itself against you. It has come. Doom has come upon you, you who dwell in the land. The time has come. The day is near. There is panic, not joy, upon the mountains. I'm about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger and, uh, against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. Again, there's a refrain again. I will not look on you with pity or spare you. I will repay. I will repay. And so this is the, the message that in Chapter 7, uh, that Ezekiel is to bring to the people. Because of their sins, not one of them will, pre- will preserve his life. And so, and then in chapter 8, we have the idolatry in the temple. And we have uh, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is going to leave the temple. In chapter 8, verse 12, we read, quote, And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his own idol. They say, 
The Lord does not see. The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. So this is their theology, the theology of darkness. And this is the, the, the consequences of darkness. The consequences of darkness does what? The Lord does not see me, and the Lord has forsaken the land. It has not changed. The language has never changed. I look at people of unbelief, and I see the unreality and, uh, uh, in their eyes that they don't believe God. The, the, and the spirit, the spirit of God uh, leaves the temple in three movements, and then he finally leaves. Uh, and in chapter 11, verse 23, quote, the glory of the Lord went up from within the city and stopped above the mountain east of it. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the exiles in Babylonia in the vision given by the Spirit of God. Then the vision I had, I had seen went up from me, and I told the exiles everything the Lord had shown me, unquote. And so uh, in chapter 14, idolatry is condemned. In this chapter, God speaks about idols in their hearts. Uh, verse 7 of Ezekiel 14, when any Israelite or any alien living in the land separates himself from me and sets up idols in his heart and puts a wicked stumbling block before his face and then goes to a prophet to inquire of me, I, the Lord, will answer him myself. I will set my face against that man and make him an example and a byword. I will cut him off from my people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So idols of the heart. In verse 3, idols in their hearts. And so I'm just painting a picture for you because I want you to understand the message of Ezekiel 37. Uh, I'm going to teach you about Gog and Magog at another time. But uh, we have some hope uh, in Ezekiel 36, verse 26. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, unquote. So we see mercy and judgment. Uh, God has not cast off his people. Read Romans 9, his, uh, whom he foreknew. But judgment is coming, or I should say divine discipline is coming in the lives of the people of God because of their sin. So uh, the valley of, of dry bones in Ezekiel 7 is a picture of the hopeless nation. And Ezekiel sees an army of skeletons in a desert. It is a picture of their forlornness, their hopelessness. And uh, they are so spiritually uh, empty that they have become prisoners of despair. Let me read uh, Ezekiel 37, verse 11. Quote, then he said to me, quote, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, now, this is 
their own words, their own picture of their own spiritual lives. Uh, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Why? I, well, I read to you about the idolatry. I read to you about darkness. I read to you about the departure of the spirit and so uh, and the, the consequences of sin. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Now, these people did not use this uh, abstractions. Uh, they did not say, well, uh, my consciousness or my conscience or my intellect. They did not use intellectual uh, abstract words. They did, not, they did not use abstractions. They used concrete terms. Now, what do we know about the bone? Well, without the bones, the the flesh, the, uh, there's no structure. We know that in the bones, the uh, the vessels go in in order to do what? We know that blood cells are created from within the bone, the dam, d a m or d m in the the Hebrew consonants. Here is where blood is created. The blood cells are created. Okay, that nourish the body, the bones, and so here. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Now, in the Hebrew, it does not stop with the language, we are cut off. This is the sad language in the Hebrew. It literally reads in Hebrew, we are cut off to ourselves. <clears throat> we are cut off to ourselves. This is what happens to the people of God when they they turn away from God. They become prisoners of despair. Beware of the distractions that the enemy brings into your life. We are cut off to ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 of uh, you know, please read those verses. God is raising lost sinners today out from the dead. God is going to raise up his people, that is, uh, the Jews and Gentiles, into one temple. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. They will be one temple. In Christ, the division, the what, the hopelessness, the fatigue of this world and living this life, uh, we are cut off to ourselves. God is going to make a way out of no way for his people. He is going to free them from, <clears throat> from Babylonian captivity. There's an old sermon uh, that is called The Babylonian Captivity of the Church. And uh, I think it was written by the, the, great, the great divine, the great preacher of the Metropolitan Tabernacle Church. Uh, I, I think it was Charles Spurgeon. I, I'm not certain, but uh, The Babylonian Captivity of the Church, if you... You can probably find it online. It would be well worth uh, reading. 
okay? Because you need strong meat in your soul in these evil days. Uh, the milk will only suffice for a certain period of time and for a certain level of maturation. Uh, you need strong meat because strong meat uh, will not only enable you to survive, but to thrive. So uh, God says to, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. So God is going to bring his people back. He is going to give them a brand new life. Look, uh, Paul wrote that you and I were dead in trespasses and sins. And God, so God says this. This is verse 23 of Ezekiel 37. So uh, let me start at 22. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them, and they will never again be two nations or divided into two. That is uh, uh, the northern kingdom, uh, Samaria, and the southern kingdom. Uh, There will just be one. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any other offenses. For I will save them from all their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. Listen, there are some cults, and I've said this over the years, who teach that God is done with Israel. And so they seek to take the blessings that God has for his people and say they no longer apply to Israel, but now to the church. You never read that language in the word of God. Uh, please read, uh, again, please read Romans 9. God has not cast off his people whom he foreknew. Blindness in part come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. When will this church age end? Don't listen to false prophets. Don't listen to false teachers on some of these podcasts telling you, well, this event points to this. No, don't listen to these people. Okay? This age, some people call it the church age, this time will continue until what? Paul tells us the fullness of the Gentiles become in. They don't talk about this language because they don't know, uh, they don't know systematic eschatology. They, they sensationalize prophecy for which they are accountable before God. So the Gentiles, okay, when the last person who is to be saved in the church age has come in who, and is saved, then this age will end. And then God will bring in the great squeezing the ellipses, the tribulation. That word tribulation is from the word ellipses. It means great pressure or great squeezing. That comes next. Don't be led astray. Read your Bible. 
Read the word of God. Be like the noble Berean. Search the scriptures to see whether these things be so or not. Build your life on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. These people are ephemeral. They come and go, and God is going to deal with them for leading his people astray, taking advantage of his people, uh, abusing his sheep. God will deal with them. And James tells us so, that he says, Brothers, be not many teachers, for we shall incur the stricter judgment. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Food, fuel, water. Prepare what you can, prepare what you can for the coming days. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.